Hey Queersake, welcome back. Sorry for the short absence, but I'm here now and I have t-shirts for everybody. That's a flat out lie, I do not have t-shirts for everybody. Um, in today's episode, I interview Chris, who a lot of you may actually know, either from uh, Twitter or Tumblr. And Tumblr is where Chris and I first met. I interviewed Chris in their living room. And if you listen closely in the background, you can hear a cat meowing. And this cat just just wants, wants its support and some love. And I think we can all relate to this cat. Anyway, a quick warning that this episode does mention, very briefly, uh, suicidal thoughts. So with that in mind, uh, kick back, grab yourself a sweet pork burrito, and enjoy. Oh, I love that it still says Cafe Rio. Uh, welcome. Bienvenidos. Hello. Hello, I am Mika. Oh, and I'm Chris. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I didn't know that was a thing. I had to introduce myself. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So how are you doing? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. How are you, Mika? I'm dandy like a lion. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that and use that often. Do it. Sweet. Yes. Um, to start off, how do we know each other? So we met on Tumblr. Uh, kind of... I don't know how like I actually found your blog. Probably I was looking through the Mormon tags and then just kind of attached myself to you. <laughs> and then like... Twitter stake became a thing. Not Twitter stake, Tumblr stake, sorry. And then we started Queer Stake. Yeah, so you've Tumblr. been there since the beginning. Since the beginning, since the inception. Stake. Yeah. One, one of the first ward members. I'm super old. <laughs> That's right, I'm like the granddaddy of the ward. I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, Queer Stake started like three years ago, officially, and before that it's been around yeah. for like five three years maybe? Four years? I don't know. Four years, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, Let's go with that. I don't know. It's been around for a while. I, I first used the hashtag a while ago. Wow. And then it was at least a year later before everyone else... Everyone started using it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I remember seeing it being like, oh, that's the best hashtag. I'm going to use that. And then I forgot. But I figured it out later. <laughs> All right. Oh, I, I guess I should mention, a bunch of people probably don't know this, um... The reason the podcast is called Queer Steak is because my friend Steph and I started a community on Tumblr called Queer Steak through the use of the hashtag Queer Steak that people were already using. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the official piano player. That's my calling. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, I remember. And I play the piano. Oh, that's good. Nah, nah, nah. I was going to ask you if you felt like you were living up to your calling. Absolutely. All right. 100%. Awesome. Amen. <laughs> so I am I'm here today to to talk to you, to have stories told at me. At you. At me. So say some stories at me. Well, okay. Once upon a time. Okay. No no. So I'm Chris. I am super old. I'm thirty two. Um I live in Utah. I am married. I've been married for just about twelve years. I have a ten year old son and I am trans. And I'm asexual. I grew up thinking that I was alone. 
and that I was a freak and weird and I didn't know the word for what I was and I knew starting at age three that I was a boy and as a kid I honestly thought that my spirit had gotten lost on the way to my body and that my spirit was male and then when I was 12 I had a primary teacher tell me that wasn't possible and so then I was like well then what am I like how why do I feel like I'm a boy why do I feel male and I just didn't know so I kind of grew up feeling really alone and when I was 12 um, I found a Star Wars chat room because Star Wars episode one had just come out and it's the best Star Wars don't even get me started just kidding it's terrible (laughs) but I really love Qui-Gon a lot Uh, anyway, so this, this chat room was there, and uh, after three days of people calling me by he, him pronouns, I was like, nobody's ever going to know if I'm really a boy or not, because they can't see me, so I'm just going to be a boy here. And so after that, I was a boy. Uh, I responded to he, him pronouns. Uh, I went, my screen name was Cyber Jedi X. But uh, I told them that my real name was Eric. Um, And nobody questioned it. Like, it was just, I was a dude. And it was awesome. It was the best summer of my life. And honestly, I credit that summer for a lot of my sense of humor, for being able to break out of my shell um, a little bit when I was in the following school year in eighth grade. Um, It was amazing. And I met some really good people, including... One girl who's still my best friend. Uh, her name's Allie. And we met uh, in July of 1999. Wow. That's so long ago. And Allie was awesome. And after the chat room shut down, after about a year, um, we moved to instant messaging and email and just kept up. And I mean, we called each other on the phone like maybe four or five times. And every time we called each other, I, I would just be like, well, my voice hasn't dropped yet. Ha ha um, And she just didn't even question it. And then when I was just about 14, my mom said, do you want to get a webcam? And I was like, uh, yeah. And then I was like, oh, crap. I'm going to have to tell Allie the truth. And so I told her, you know, I'm really a girl. Uh sorry that I lied to you for two years and she was mad but she she understood like she kind of got over it really quick and she was just really kind about it Uh, and then when I was 28 and found the word transgender and realized that I was trans um, I told her you know I'm trans and she's like yay we have a word for what you are and she's always been like by my side and I asked her you know if I transition um, on hormones and you know have top surgery and everything will you still be my friend and she's like I will always be your friend it doesn't matter to me what you look like or if you are in a boy body or girl body like you're just my friend you're my you're my sibling and so she's awesome yeah yeah booyah so Yeah, so I kind of grew up feeling like a freak and alone, Uh, and nobody can know this about me because if anybody knows, they will be grossed out by me and won't want to associate with me anymore. 
And when I was 19, uh, I decided I wanted the Mormon fairy tale. Uh, I wanted to get married in the temple and have lots of babies and sing primary songs to them at night. I don't know. And just have the Mormon life that, that you grow up hearing about. So I started dating. Uh, I started dating my husband. And after three months, uh, I was like, so I have to tell you my secret, my deepest, darkest secret. And I was super nervous. And I told him about the chat rooms. And I told him that I had pretended to be a boy and that I still felt male often. And I don't think he was paying attention. And I also didn't explain it well. And so he kind of took it as, I'm over it. Like, I used to feel this way, but I don't anymore. So he's like, well, whatever. That's really not a terrible secret. (laughs) And I was like, that is my deepest, darkest secret. It's a terrible one. How can you judge my secret? And then later I told the stake president this because I felt bad for lying to all those people. And he giggled at me. The stake president? The stake president. Wow. It was very... He went straight at the top. It was traumatic. He's like, ha, you're fine. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I've been agonizing over this for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it was an experience. Anyway, Nate and I got married. Uh, we had our son, Toby. Uh, I worked really, really hard at being feminine. Um, I even wore dresses like all day on Sunday. Whoa, such a sacrifice. I can't believe I did that. And, you know, I tried really hard to be feminine, to be a girl, and to be a good, like, wife and, I don't know, a good Mormon woman. Uh, And it was miserable. I was miserable. Um, Then when I was 28, after we'd been married for eight years, uh, I found out that there were other people like me. And I actually found out about being transgender through Tumblr. Um... So Tumblr kind of corrupted me. Dang it, Tumblr. It corrupted a lot of us. I know. (laughs) Which is awesome. Yay, Tumblr. Also, dang it, Tumblr. (laughs) Uh, So I I found these people that they were trans, and I was like, well, I think I could be trans. And I went for a while on, on Tumblr doing the typical kind of Mormon judgy thing, where I was like, well, you may be born gay but you can choose not to be because I was born this like feeling like a boy and I chose not to be uh, that way anymore and I'm fine (laughs) I was not fine so you were you were basically like if that had been a blog post that would be one of those posts that would be shared all around the internet you know like despite 99% of other gay Mormons having a problem with this this one trans woman does not. Right. Therefore, you shouldn't, you shouldn't either. Right, exactly. Thank God I didn't write a blog post like that. Uh, yeah, it was... I was super judgy. And then, like, after two months, I was like, well... Sorry. Uh, how can I judge these people for, like, transitioning? Like, if you're that miserable... Uh, and that's sad, then, uh, trans- and transitioning will help, then do it. Like, it's better for you to transition and be alive than to not transition and kill yourself. Um, and then it kind of went from there to why, if people are born gay, why 
do they have to consign themselves to a lifetime of being alone and and not be able to be married and not be able to have families and that's not okay like we can't ask people to do that (laughs) sorry we have a cat cat attack hi cat so we can't ask people to live alone their whole lives that's not okay like i would be dead without nate just because i am accident prone (laughs) and i get sick a lot and and nate's always there for me um and why would i tell anybody that they can't have that just because of their you know sexual attraction Uh, and from there it went to and i can't judge trans people for being trans and also hey i think i'm trans and i need to come to terms with it so i came out to Allie first because she she's the one that i trust the most um, and at this time, my husband was not necessarily homophobic, but really not understanding and not patient and kind of just cranky about LGBT stuff in general. Um, so I came out to Allie first and then I decided I needed to come out to Nate, my husband. So I came out to him and it didn't go very well because he thought I was over it from our conversation when I was 19. And that year of our marriage, 2015, was really, really difficult. Uh, That's also the year that the uh, exclusion policy came out uh, from the church. In fact, I came out as trans in October 2015, and the exclusion policy came out November 5th, 2015. And my birthday's November 6th, so I was really sad on my birthday that year. Rude. Um, and it's really easy for me to remember the uh, anniversary because it's so close to my birthday. I just think Guy Fox Day. I know, right? <laughs> remember, I was trying to make a rhyme for it actually this year. It's like, remember, remember the 5th of November. The exclusion policy is the, called the pox. And... So, somebody actually, somebody sent me a, a, a text, I think, where they rhymed. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll look for I don't yeah, remember if it was a text it. or over Facebook, but I'll try looking for it. But I was really impressed. That's awesome. Yeah. Actually, my friend Jordan. I have a friend uh, from Wales, and he loves Bonfire Nights so much, so it's probably him. I love him already, because I love England so much. Yay. Okay. God save the queen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, that November was really, really, really hard. Um, there was about two weeks where the only thing that kept me from killing myself was knowing that my son would find my body, and I couldn't do that to him. Like way to scar your kid for life I already I've already scarred my kid for life I don't need to do it more <laughs> um so I, I stuck around uh, and and Nate and I we've had to learn to communicate in in different ways than we did before um he used to shut down like when I started talking about queer stuff and he would not respond and not and it felt like he wasn't listening I'm sure he was but it felt like he wasn't and he just wouldn't talk. And so he's kind of learned that he needs to respond and he needs to talk. And I've learned that I can't talk about queer stuff all the time, uh, even though I want to. And I really wanted to when I first came out because it was like, I found this out about myself. And suddenly my life makes so much sense and it's so cool. So I wanted to talk about it all the time. And I just overwhelmed him. Cause, and, and I think that's a common thing with, with queer people that kind of figure this out later in life uh, we 
come out and think, well, I'm still the same person that I've always been, but now I have a name for what I am. And it's really cool because suddenly everything makes sense in my life. And our spouses or our uh, family or friends are like, whoa, this is a huge change. This is, this is, you're a totally different person. And really, we're not. We're the same person we've always been. It's just that now we know that we're not alone. And now we know that it's possible to transition and that people have transitioned successfully. Yeah. So uh, I really wanted to transition um, for about a year, like transition on hormones. But in the end, Nate and I decided that I would not transition on testosterone. Um, But I told him at the time that I plan on having top surgery because that's the one thing like I can't live in this body if I have to keep dealing with breasts. Uh, So I said, before I'm 35, I'm going to have top surgery. And he was kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, We went along for two years. And after two years, I was like, you know, uh, I'm really miserable. Like, I'm depressed a lot. And the antidepressants that I'm on aren't really working. And I've heard that going on testosterone can really, like, alleviate anxiety and depression. Can I try it just for a little bit? And so he agreed to that, and so I'm actually on testosterone right now. I've been on it for three weeks. Haven't noticed a difference at all. Um, And haven't noticed, like I haven't had any changes or anything yet. So I'll probably be on it for another two or three weeks uh, until my uh, prescription runs out, and then I won't renew the prescription. But I'm still planning on having top surgery. And I started a GoFundMe for top surgery back in June because I figured it would take me for freaking ever to raise enough money. Because on top of just being, I don't know, being a person, (laughs) like I don't have a job. Um, I can't work right now because of health problems. Um, I have chronic illnesses and I have seizures and I just, I can't get a job. And I really want to because I'm really bored, but I'm stuck. So I started this GoFundMe thinking it would take forever for me to raise the money. and I had $4,000 on care credit. And my bishop called me into his office that week. And, oh, I should talk about earlier. Okay, rewind. A year before this, so 2017, um, I told my bishop that I was thinking about trying testosterone. And he was like, mm, that would be against the church's rules. And I was like, would it? Would it really? Because all the church says is uh, gender reassignment surgery is against church policy. And a shot is not a surgery. But he was like, it's against church rules. So I was like, oh, okay, so I guess I won't go on testosterone. I told him at that time that I was planning on top surgery eventually, but I don't think he knew what that meant. So when I posted my GoFundMe, he called me into his office, and he's like, you know, um... I saw your GoFundMe on Facebook, (laughs) which was my bad. (laughs) Um, And the stake president and I have talked it over, and we've we both agree that this would be against church policy, and and if you go through with it, you'll be subject to church discipline. And I was kind of like, like shell shocked, I guess. So I just kind of sat there in his office, going, what, 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 what. 
Um, and so then after a week, like I had thought about this enough um, that I was able to write him a letter. And in this letter, I was like, you know, uh, I don't understand how this can be seen as gender reassignment surgery. I know that having top surgery is not going to make me a man. I'm not trying to become a man. I just need to take care of my chest. Women have augmentations and reductions all the time, and they don't get in trouble because they're cisgender. But because I'm trans, you're going to punish me for having like what amounts to a major reduction. At what point does my breast size nullify my membership in the church? So I wrote him this letter, uh, and like he took a month to respond to me, which was really frustrating because I needed a response now. Um, and when he responded, it was very kind. Like, I love my bishop. He's really nice, and he's really supportive of my family, and he tries to be supportive of me. Um, he just doesn't understand. Uh, he has, like, researched things, and I'm really proud of him for, like, doing work outside of his general work to understand what I'm going through and what I experience. He just doesn't understand. So he wrote me this letter, and it was very nice, uh, but it was all, all non-answers. Just like, I know that this isn't the right path for you, and think about your husband, and stuff like that. And so it was really frustrating because it was just a whole bunch of non-answers. And especially where I had asked, why is it okay for women to have augmentations and other plastic surgery? Like Utah is the sixth in the nation for plastic surgery. And all along I-15, there are plastic surgery billboards and like, it's crazy here. And also like top surgery is not cosmetic surgery, but I think that uh, lots of people see it that way Mm -hmm. um, just because is kind of lumped into the same general category, but top surgery is not cosmetic surgery. It's, it can change lives and it can save lives. Um, and ever since knowing that top surgery was a possibility, finding this out, um, in 2015, it was like, oh my gosh, I need to have that done. (laughs) Like I've always hated my chest. When I was like 11, I started wearing two sports bras to try and flatten myself out. And I didn't, I didn't take them off. Like, I slept in two sports bras and I wore them all the time. Yeah, so I was really excited to find out that top surgery was an option because before this I had thought the only way to have a mastectomy was to get breast cancer. And you shouldn't have to hope to get breast cancer, but I honestly did a lot because I wanted them gone. So my story, so the the big problem with um, me being subject to church discipline Uh, over top surgery is that I'm a BYU student. I uh, am studying to get my uh, undergrad in English and I have about 30 credits left to go. Uh, So if I am in church discipline, then that can affect my ecclesiastical endorsement, which means I can't go to school. So I wrote about this on Twitter and (laughs) a reporter from the Salt Lake Tribune saw it and did a story on me and on this whole, all these shenanigans. Uh, And it kind of exploded. The story came out on August 16th. uh, And I was in Las Vegas when it came out and I got a text from a friend that was like, you social media whore. (laughs) 
And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And she's like, oh, there's an article about you on the Tribune. And I was like, oh, crap. Because I didn't know it was coming out. And honestly, I thought she had like given up on it mm-hmm. because I talked to her like at the beginning of July and then we didn't talk again ever. <laughs> so I was like, okay, she's done. She didn't want to do it after all. So then this article comes out and I'm like, I am not prepared for this. Holy cow. When I got home, uh, Nate was like, hey, CNN called. And I was like, CNN? <laughs> Are you kidding? And he So they had left a message with Nate and I called him back. And they did not call me back. So rude. Um, But the Washington Post called uh, and did a story on me. Uh, Like the news, some news channel. I don't remember which one called and and, and did an interview. And all of a sudden, like people started donating to my GoFundMe. And I actually ended up getting funded for the amount I asked for. And I kind of couldn't believe it because I thought it was going to take years and years to get up to where I needed to be which was about $4,000, $5,000. And somebody donated $1,000 one day. And then like two days later, somebody else came along and donated $2,000. And first of all, I was like, holy cow, what would it be like to have that much money where you could just say, here, have $2,000? And this person that donated $2,000, they, they were anonymous, but they wrote, uh, go have top surgery and don't listen to the bigots in your life anymore and go have top surgery and be happy. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I will, thank you. And I kind of wish I knew who this person was so that I could thank them, but also it's like amazing that they are anonymous because that's just really cool. So I started doing consults for top surgery um, and uh, yeah, like the, the surgeon that I saw was like, yeah, we can do it anytime. But this was in September, and he couldn't operate until October just because his schedule was that far out. And we're going on a trip later this year, and I didn't want, like, I was worried if there were complications, it would mess up the vacation that we're going on. So I've decided to put it off until next year, uh, probably in February, because that's after my son's birthday. So, so you're for sure doing it? I'm freaking doing it, yeah. Like, I... I just can't not do it. I can't live with breasts. Like, they're the worst. They're the worst. And Nate's not super happy, but um, it's he agrees that it's my body, and so it's my choice. And it took us a long time to get to that point, but he's on that page now. Thank God. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to do it, and kind of to hell with the consequences, because it needs to be done. And if I can't go to BYU anymore, then I'll just transfer to somewhere else. But I would like to be able to finish at BYU because I like BYU. I like the teachers. I like the students. I like the environment. I love the campus. But if they say no more, then okay, no more. But BYU is kind of weird with trans students in general. Like I met, I have a little group of friends uh, there's three trans dudes and me, and we all are we're at BYU at the same time. Two of them have now graduated. And two of them started T while they were at BYU, T testosterone, um, and transitioned uh, socially and on hormones, but they still had to live in women's housing because that's how BYU saw them. And so every time they had to move or every time they got new roommates, they had to be like, 
hey, uh, I'm a guy, but I live here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, so awkward. Ah. Two of them have graduated now, and then uh, one of them is still at BYU with me. <laughs> and hopefully will graduate soon, because it's, it's a weird situation to be in. I came out to one of my professors uh, my last semester, uh, and it was relevant to the lesson. Like, I came out in class. It was relevant to the lesson. I cannot remember what we were talking about, though. Um, and I came out to them, and everyone in the class was really awesome and really supportive. Uh, and really kind, and I was not expecting that. And then after class, the professor asked, what are your pronouns? And I said, they, them. And he's like, okay, I'll try to uh, use those. And I couldn't believe it. Like, professors don't ask what your pronouns are at BYU. That just doesn't happen. So it was really cool. Like, I was really grateful. And I actually wrote him an email a couple weeks ago, and I was like, thank you so much for being so awesome. You were a great teacher. Thanks for being supportive. Yeah. I don't know if you... You talked about this while we were recording, uh, that uh, your your birth name's Amanda. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't mention it yet. Um, <laughs> well, fun fact: your birth name is Amanda. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did how did you choose Chris? So Chris uh, is part of my middle name. My middle name is Christina, and so it was just kind of natural. And all growing up, I like had an alter ego that was Chris, and. Chris was super cool. Like, Chris was everything. Amanda was not. <laughs> Chris was, like, had friends and was just awesome. And Amanda was socially awkward and reading books all the time and didn't have many friends. And I kept telling myself, I can't be Chris until I can be cool. <laughs> and then when I was 18, I was like, I'm never going to be cool. Let's just go. <laughs> Let's just be Chris now. Because I've always felt like I don't connect to the name Amanda. It doesn't fit who I am. Um, I love that my mom named me Amanda Christina. Because my mom's name is Anna Christine. So I love sharing initials with my mom. And the reason she named me Amanda is because it means worthy of love. And uh, when I was born, like my uh, birth dad had kind of abandoned us. Um, so she named me that because she wanted me to remember that I'm worthy of love. But the problem is, I just am not an Amanda. And kind of everyone I've met that knows me as Chris is like, yeah, you are definitely not an Amanda. You're Chris. I am Chris all over the place. And even now, like when I think about if I did transition to male, like socially and hormonally and everything, like would I choose a different name? I'm like, I don't even know what name I would choose. Like I'm just Chris. This is who I am. So I started when I was 18. I was like, okay, I'm going to start going by Chris. Um, and I told my family this, uh, and my mom was like, well, I'm never going to call you that because you're, I will always call you Amanda because I named you that for a reason. Okay. But people go by their middle names all the time. All the time. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. Actually, when I was 19, I met my siblings from my dad's side and one of my brothers goes by his middle name. So I was like, yes, solidarity. (laughs) Boom. High five. Bam. Wait. Real high five. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, I met Nate after I started going by Chris and I asked him once, what if I started going by Amanda again? And he was like, uh, I guess that's okay. <laughs> He's like, I don't think you're an Amanda. <laughs> I was like, yeah, me neither. But my mom is super stubborn. Well, I, I am, but I've always like conceded to her before. Like I never, ever give, or I never 
like stand up to her because she's scary <laughs> um but this thing like this is the one thing that I've stood up for myself for and my son Toby has like yelled at my mom for calling me the wrong name and she still calls me the wrong name and I I don't have much hope that she will call me by Chris ever but maybe someday in fact this summer we kind of had a little progress uh she made sandwiches for the family that we were taking on a picnic and she wrote our names on each of the bags that our sandwiches were in and she wrote Chris on mine so that was a big deal that I I didn't say anything because I didn't want to like push it or call attention like call attention to it and like have her freak out but she wrote Chris so it was really cool uh, and then my grandma has started calling me, uh, trying to call me Chris. She's like, doesn't half the time, but you know, she's old. <laughs> uh, the thing that drives me the most nuts about it, uh, is when, cause we have a group text with my mom and grandma and my aunt. And sometimes when they're texting, my mom will be like, Amanda, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you don't have to say my name in the text. Mm-hmm. Like, I know who you're talking to this. Just don't. And so, yeah, that drives me a little nuts. But when she just when she calls me Amanda, I kind of glare internally and sigh and deal with it. But I love being Chris. That's definitely, it suits me so much better. Uh, and it's just who I am. Booyah. Booyah. So now I'm like, I'm not on Tumblr as much anymore. Uh, it was really triggering for me. Uh, I had a hard time. Just there was a lot of emotion that I couldn't. Uh, process uh, and I was taking other people's pain and taking it to like internally and and I had to stop being on on Tumblr for a while um, but I, I met a lot of cool people I met one of my trans friends that was at BYU that has graduated through Tumblr so that was like I walked into class one day and they were sitting there and they're like holy crap Chris and I was like holy crap this person <laughs> and honestly I was like I don't know your real name. I only know your screen name. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Uh, so we had a class together. It was pretty cool. Who was the, the first like other trans person you ever met? The first trans person I ever met. Uh, it might have been Emmett McLaren um, because he like filmed something for Vice and they filmed it here at my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he came to my house and, and we kind of hung out. Um, I met, well, I met most of them, like, online, so the first person I met in person, I don't even know, it was probably Emmett, but, um, Christopher, oh, crap, I don't remember his screen name, uh, we talked a lot, and he introduced me to a a Facebook group, um, called Transactive LDS, and that's a group of, uh, various, uh, levels of Mormon activity, but the people in there are trans or else have a trans spouse. And it's been really cool to be a part of that group. I've met a lot of amazing people. And I actually just wrote a letter to Dallin H. Oaks. And I was like, one of the things I said was, I've met some of the most spiritual people I know on the fringes of the church. And I was talking about these people because they're just, they're just amazing. Nice. Uh, do you want to talk about coming back to Toby? Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I was really nervous that Toby would pick up on Nate's kind of general crankiness about LGBT stuff. Uh, So I didn't want to come out to him until he was at least 12 because he's on the autism spectrum and I didn't know how much he understood about gender in general. 
Um, and I didn't, I just thought maybe he's not old enough. Because this, this started when he was eight. Oh yeah, the exclusion policy came out uh, three months before Toby turned eight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so does he not get to be baptized then? Because I've come out. And Has he been baptized? Yeah, he, he okay. chose to be baptized. And they let him be baptized because I hadn't transitioned. So I feel guilty because we kind of snuck under the radar there. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel guilty at BYU too because I'm like sneaking under the radar and I'm stealth. And I want to stand up for, for LGBTQ people. Uh, but I don't look LGBTQ. Dang it. Like, I just need to tattoo it on my forehead, I guess. <laughs> I wear, like, I got my trans bracelet on. I, I wear a lot of, like, LGBT-supportive shirts. Uh, today at church, I wore my rainbow Moroni pin. And this lady came up to me and was like, I love your pin. I'm a mama dragon. And I was like, yay, mama dragon. Sweet. It was awesome. Uh, okay, so, yeah, Toby uh, was nine. And he, we were in the car. And he asked me, hey, mom, what does LGBT stand for? And so I explained what each letter was and what they meant. Uh, And he goes, well, are you any of those things? And I was like, oh, crap. I can't lie to this kid because if I lie to him and tell him no, in three years when I come out to him, he's going to remember and he's going to call me on it. (laughs) So I was like, ooh, yes, I'm transgender. This is what that means for our family and kind of went into it a little bit and um, talked about different ways to be trans and some people transition and some people don't and I would always be his mom no matter what sort of a thing but this being transgender this is why I'm different from other mommies like why I don't like to wear makeup and why I don't like to wear dresses and and do general mommy things and he goes well it's okay that you're different I like that you're different and I was like oh the cutest thing ever so it's really sweet and really awesome, and he's been really, really supportive, uh, maybe too supportive. <laughs> he gets really defensive and kind of combative, and he doesn't know how to process his emotions yet. So he, when he gets upset about trans stuff, he gets really upset, and I kind of have to take him down a notch. And we've been we've walked in two pride parades, and the second year, last year, or this year actually. Uh, there were protesters that he saw the first year he didn't see them thank goodness but this year he saw them because we walked right by them and they went you're a terrible mother and I was like okay (laughs) tell me something I don't know (laughs) I already feel a general Mormon mom guilt all the time so you're not this isn't new surprise to me lady um anyway so we were walking on the parade and he's like I'm gonna flip him off (laughs) I was like please don't flip them off how old was he he's he was 10 yeah 10 at this point and I'm like please don't flip them off because you're just gonna start something like just smile at them that will make them more angry than if you flip them off and he's like okay and then he gave them the most like devilish evil smile that he could possibly do I was like all right that works (laughs) so yeah he's been he's been awesome he's a good kid he's got a good heart and it makes me happy that that I'm open about this with him because if he ends up being gay or being anywhere on the LGBTQ spectrum, then I feel like he will be able to come to me and talk to me about it because I am so open about this sort of thing. And I've talked to him before a little bit about being asexual, but obviously that doesn't go very far because he's little and he doesn't understand that. And, you know, I don't talk about being asexual very much in general just because I'm really asexual and I don't like to talk about sex. (laughs) 
So uh, in my case, asexual means um, I don't like sex and I will have it with Nate because it makes him happy. But like if Nate dropped off the face of the earth tomorrow, I would literally never think about sex ever again. And like people say that uh, we use sex to sell things like commercials uses sex to sell things. I'm always like, I am, (laughs) I am not convinced by your stupid, sexy ad. Like I am immune to this. (laughs) So take that. Anyway, but I'm not asexual because my husband is like a troll. Uh, like I think people think, well, you don't, you just don't like sex because your husband is like ugly or because he's bad at sex. Like no, it's he's. I think he's very cute, and he's fine, and everything's fine. But I just don't like sex, and I never have. And kind of when I was growing up, and they're talking about how your hormones will be out of control, and you'll think about stuff like all the time. Yeah, I was like okay, is this some kind of like big joke that everybody is pulling because I don't feel this way? And like people, I was just like, people are really over-exaggerating this and they need to calm down <laughs> and quit talking about sex so much because on, on, it's, why would anybody talk about it? It's boring, it's dumb. And like uh, Toby was like two years old and I just never thought about sex because number one, I'm ace. And number two, I had a two-year-old and was very busy all the time. Uh, and Nate came to me and was like, we have to do better at at sex and communicating about it just because I need it. And I hadn't realized up until that point like how important it is for people and how, like, we call them allosexuals, like how much they need it. Like, they need that connection. And that just doesn't work for me, but... Uh, Nate and I have gotten a lot better at communicating uh, when when he needs to, and it's good. And I still don't like talking about sex because I'm very ace. But I need to talk about being ace because nobody knows that the A in LGBTQIA stands for asexual, not for ally. Amen. <laughs> Thank you again for listening, and a huge thanks to Chris for just being willing to do this. Um, Also, a big thanks to Britton, who not only did the podcast image, uh, which doubles as the Facebook page's profile pic, but also the new banner for the Facebook page. It looks fantastic and um, is also based off of an old queersake joke. A huge thanks to Pink Pocket Squares for the use of their song, Tainted Rhythm. And a little fun fact for all of you, there is a glossary in the show notes section of the podcast. It probably doesn't show up in Spotify, but in iTunes and Google Play, um, it should be there. And it just lists all the terms that non-members of the LDS Church might not be familiar with. And I, I also link to usually official LDS sources um, that go into more detail. If you need to get a hold of me, just head on over to the Queer Sake Facebook page and send a message. I'll see you all soon. Oh, and stay tuned after this for a bonus conversation. Just 2015 ish, I think. Um, yeah, it was about April 2015. Okay.
So this website called Vocative did an article about queer steak on Tumblr because the dude Jennings just thought it was really interesting. Yeah. And how I came out, I, I posted a link to this and I said, hey, you guys should read this. I'm quoted in it. That's it. That's how you came out? That's how I came That's out. That's amazing. I had like five people liked the post. Oh my gosh. And then I think three people came out to me later that day. Sweet. So that was like that was kind of a victory, and then just from that point forward, I I never felt um, shy about posting anything related to homosexuality. Right. Yeah. I'm really really vocal about being trans, uh, mostly because I want LDS teenagers and kids to know that you can be trans and LDS, and it's okay, uh, and you're okay. And you are a child of God, no matter what your gender identity is. Uh, and that's the most important thing. And I don't want anyone to grow up the way I did, where I felt so alone and freakish. And like I was this horrible sinner that was going to outer darkness because of my gender identity shenanigans. So, yeah. But that article was awesome. I think the title was weird. Like, it was like... They're creating their temple, internet temple or something. Yeah, like we, or a cyber temple yeah. on Tumblr. And we were like, mm, so like he nah. He talked to us like a lot. I feel like he should have known better. better. Yeah. But what the rest of the article was great. Yeah, so. the rest of the article was awesome. So it was fine. I'm in that article too. And I really loved it. I shared that one. And I think I share it every year when it pops up on my Facebook memories. I'm like, ha, read this again because it's really good. <laughs> so yeah, I love that article. And... um. I was in another article, uh, the Daily Herald did one on being transgender at BYU, and they interviewed me, and they interviewed uh, a trans guy that was at, one of my friends that was at BYU at the time, and then they interviewed two trans women who are older, like one is in their 60s, and one is in their 40s, and they had gone to BYU, and you know, it's much harder for trans women than trans men just because of our society, but it was a really good article, transgender at BYU, and they interviewed me as sort of a non-binary person. And, you know, I talked about how I kind of feel guilty for being so stealthy, like, people think I'm cis, but I'm not! Surprise! <laughs> there have been some really good articles that have come out, and I think that, like, queer stuff in general is being talked about more, which is awesome. Um, it's not necessarily being talked about in a positive way in our church. Uh, one of my friends said something brilliant the other day, and I'm going to totally botch it. But he said something like, in the last few years, uh, LDS leaders have toned down the language regarding uh, LGBTQ people, uh, but they haven't, and they've done this to make it more comfortable for straight and cis people, but they haven't actually done anything to help queer people. Like, nothing has changed for queer people, they've just changed it for straight and cis people. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is true. So we're all hanging in there, hoping it will change, right? Kind of. Sometimes we hope it will change. Sometimes we want to give up on the whole thing. But in the meantime, we have queer steak. And uh, like I have Twitter steak. And there are lots of really supportive people. And it's really good. And I meet lots of allies that way. Uh, and it's good to, to know that the members want us to have a place in the church even if the leadership necessarily, like, doesn't. Man, we went off on tangent on that one. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's fine, though, because, like, queer stakes are a thing, man. Yeah. I feel like awesome. you're kind of, like, 
low-key celebrity too because you're <laughs> i am you're right like in now, a lot of things like yeah that's why my friend was like you're a media whore <laughs> it's like no i just i'm really vocal like i'm obnoxiously vocal and i don't shut up about it and i write about it all the time and sometimes i'm like i really need to stop talking about trans stuff so much and i'm like no because i was silent for 28 years okay 25 years ever since i was three and i'm not gonna be silent anymore I've got to talk about this, and I, I, like I said, I want people to know that it's a thing, and that you can be trans and Mormon, and it's okay. Peace out. Booyah. Amen. Booyah. Right. <laughs>